All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of The Fan and the Fanatic. This is Season 2, Episode 38. Can you believe that? <laughs> it's been it's been a long, crazy ride, but I really didn't think we would make it this far. But we're here. That's all that matters. But we got a little bit of a change up this week. The Fan is not here. Again, he's missing another recording. Can you believe this guy? But he's on vacation right now, living it out in Japan. So I'm sure he's having fun drinking some nice beer and, you know, going to Disneyland, I saw. But, you know, he's having fun. Let him take some time off this week and next week. But even with that, the show still has to go on. So you got the fanatic this week and next week holding it down for you guys. But we still got to talk about things going on. The NBA playoffs is in full effect with the conference finals matchups being set up. Major League Baseball is obviously still going on. The NFL also released the schedules for each team. So we're not going to go through that right now, but I'm just going to point out that my team, aka America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, five-time Super Bowl champs, have six primetime games this upcoming season. And that's tied for the most in the league. You can only have so many. So Dallas always gets the maximum amount you can get. And all I'm saying is we're just such an amazing team to watch that people enjoy watching us on TV. So I encourage all of you, if you're not Dallas Cowboy fans, just watch them. They're just entertaining and they're going to be a fun team this year. But, you know, last year when they released the schedule, we did a way too early um, record prediction. And I got to say, I was pretty spot on with my predictions. I was laughed at by my co-host who scoffed at my idea that Dallas would have a good record. And, you know, sure enough, they had another double-digit winning season. But we'll we'll save that for when Greg comes back because we need to put him in his place again. And I'm feeling really confident again this year, but we'll hold off on that for a few weeks at least. But, you know, to start off, we're obviously going to get into the NBA playoffs. And I will say we do have a couple guests coming on the show this week. So stay tuned for that. But before we get to our surprise guest this week, we're going to talk about the team that we have been following throughout this NBA season, and especially this playoffs. The fans' favorite team in the NBA, the Los Angeles Lakers, and also my favorite NBA player who happens to be on the Lakers, LeBron James. So the Lakers this past week they beat the Golden State Warriors, the defending champs, uh, in g- game six. So they win the series four to two with a 122-101 victory in game six, closing it out in LA. So that's the second straight series. They've beat a team in six games. They steal game one on the road, and then they protect home court throughout. 
but you know this game six was really impressive really really impressive on the fact that the lakers had the pressure right you're up 3-1 going on the road for game five you kind of expected golden state to win that game they did no surprises there but it was like okay you win game five but now you have to come back home to close it out because you're treating this as a game seven in a sense because you don't want to go back to golden state in the chase center with that crowd, that team and have to fight for your life that way. You want to close it out at home. And the Lakers did exactly what they needed to do. And it, it really started before the game even tipped off. I, I think Darvin Ham deserves a lot of credit this series. I think he's really found a great knack for finding the right pieces to implement depending on the matchup. And in this game, he switched up the starting lineup. Jared Vanderbilt has been starting throughout these playoffs, but he's been struggling a little bit this series. This hasn't really been a series for him in a way. So they switch it up. They put him on the bench and they insert Dennis Schroeder into the starting lineup. And he has been a key piece to the reason why the Lakers have won this year. And especially in the playoffs, He's been the primary defender on Steph. and But what he provides a little bit differently than Vanderbilt is obviously more offense. And that's huge. Because if you watch the previous games with Vanderbilt in the lineup, they're giving him the, the Ben Simmons treatment, the, you could say, Draymond Green treatment in a way, where it's like, just leave him in the corner. If they pass it to him and he shoots it, so be it. We'll live with the results. But their guy, whoever is guarding Vanderbilt, is just camping in the paint. And with a team like the Lakers, you got LeBron, AD, guys who like to live in the paint. That's just more traffic for them. So with Schroeder being out there, you're forced to guard him. He's not a sniper by any means, but he's going to knock down open shots. He's going to make timely shots. And he can get a shot off the dribble on his own. So just that element. I think opened up the lane a lot in this game, especially for the King himself, LeBron James. So I think in this game, LeBron kind of smelt blood. Um, Jamichael Green kind of poked the bear again. I mean, I don't know what, what you're doing, Jamichael. I mean, did you really not learn from the previous round with Dylan Brooks that you just don't do that to a guy like that and give him any more motivation that he needs? But you got that situation. The Warriors also announced that Andrew Wiggins was dealing with the injury in his ribs, which is extremely, extremely painful. And for a guy like LeBron, who is a physical player, you kind of don't want that information to be leaked out in a way. So LeBron, from the start, was living in the paint, just efficient as it comes, 10 for 14 for the game. You know, he went to the line 11 times, which is just terrific. Finished with 30 points, nine rebounds, nine assists. Was just outstanding. AD, you know, it, it's nice to see AD kind of putting together, you know, a streak of good games. It's it's always been, you know, a good game followed by a bad game, then a good game, then a bad game. But I would say the last, you know, three games at least, he's been pretty solid. 
Normally, it's the odd games that he plays well. The even games, he kind of takes off. But even this game, I know he only took nine shots, but you could feel his presence. He was blocking shots, altering shots, and most importantly, getting those rebounds inside. So 20 points, I mean, 20 rebounds, that's going to do. And you could feel his presence in the game. But I, I think the story for the Lakers this game was de definitely Austin Reeves. AR-15, he probably had the moment in the game that I thought almost changed, changed the game in a way where it's at the end of the half. I think the Warriors are getting the last shot. I think it was Clay. Clay shoots up a shot. It's an air ball. DiVincenzo, who had a nice game for the Warriors, gets an offensive rebound. And it looks like an open layup, about to cut it to, to three or four. And AD comes out of nowhere, blocks that shot. So that's already like, okay, wow, that's a that's a good defensive stand. And Austin Reeves gets the rebound and just throws up a prayer from half court and he knocks it down to to hit the half court shot. So it was a five point swing there, taking the a 10 point lead into the half. And with that momentum, it, it was just all day for the Lakers in the in the second half. I mean, they were just getting anything they wanted. Um, but Austin Reeves, gotta give a lot of credit to this guy. He was an undrafted free agent. And, you know, he came in as a non-shooter, had to develop a shot, and now he's turned into a prolific three-point shooter. You look at his stat line, four for five from three, obviously that half-court shot. So you take that out, he's still three for five. Or if he doesn't shoot it, three for four. So you, you could see the improvement in his game, seven for 12 from the field, 23 points, just... Just outstanding, outstanding stuff from Austin Reeves. And that's something that the Lakers need from him, D'Angelo Russell, Dennis Schroeder, those kind of second-tier role players. They need guys like that to step up. And Lonnie Walker had a nice game off the bench, had a little spurt in the third quarter. I know game four, Lonnie Walker, that, that's kind of his thing right now. But he had a nice spurt. And anytime you get production off the bench, that's huge. But you know, going over to to the Warriors, I I think the size was a, was a huge huge problem for them. AD was giving them problems in this game, and really the whole series as a whole. But you know, just I look at the Warriors, they were just overmatched. And when your star, I always say this to to everybody, to Greg, whoever it is, in the playoffs, you need your stars to show up. And Steph Curry was was great for the most part this series, but he was pretty inefficient in game six. 11 of 28 from the field, 4-14 from three. That's, you know, he, he was making an impact and doing a lot. So I'm not going to just roast him, but the inefficiency wasn't there. And Clay Thompson, a guy who I like, he's probably my favorite, you could say, warrior part of that core, part of this team. I just think he brings so much to the team and really makes this team, you know, dangerous. I know it's Steph, but Clay Thompson rounds it out. But he was awful. <laughs> he was pretty awful. 
three of 19, two for 12 from three, just could not get it going. And if he if he can't get it going, the Warriors aren't, they're not championship contenders. And there's a lot of noise, you know, with Draymond kind of saying, oh, this is not the end of the dynasty. But I I, I don't know. Do I think the Warriors have another ring in them? Personally, I, I, I don't. I don't think they do because I think Steph Curry, it's, it's weird because I feel like Steph Curry is better now than he was four years ago with the age. He's older, a lot of more mileage, but I just think his game is just off the charts right now in Steph Curry. But Clay Thompson just doesn't have that same quickness. He's not that lockdown perimeter defender that he was earlier in his career. There's a little more inconsistency with his shot, which is a little concerning because that's what he's known for. He's still a great player. Don't get me wrong, but is he going to be an all-star in the future? I, I don't know. I can't really answer that. Draymond Green, you know, he's a terrific player. Obviously, he's still outstanding defensively. But I feel like for the Warriors, if they if they're trying to win a championship, Draymond Green has to be, in a way, turn back the the hand of time and get back to scoring twenty points a game, pre Kevin Durant. Because once Kevin Durant got there, he started going into more of a defensive minded, first pass first guy. Like people forget in the finals in twenty sixteen when they lost, the dude had. 30 points in game seven against the Cavs. He was a force offensively. And there's times where he doesn't shoot the ball and he's wide open. They give defenses are giving him the Ben Simmons treatment, the Jared Vanderbilt treatment in a way, daring him to shoot. And sometimes he doesn't shoot. He can shoot it, but he just chooses not to. So I don't know how you can win like that if you're just clogging the lane in a sense for the defense. So the Warriors have a lot to figure out. Jordan Poole, he was kind of a, a bust this playoffs for them. I don't think you can have him and Draymond on the same team. So I think they need to make a decision there and also make a decision on a GM because Bob Myers' contract is up. But yeah, I, I would be a little concerned if I was the Warriors. Do I think they're just completely done? No, absolutely not. You have Steph Curry on your team. You're going to try to win. They're going to be a playoff. They're going to be a playoff team. As long as Steph Curry is playing at this level, they'll make the playoffs and make noise. But as far as championships, that's hard for me to say. I, I, I can't agree with Draymond on that one just yet. So the Warriors have a lot to figure out this year. Definitely got to get size. And, you know, build up that muscle in the paint. You can't just have Kavon Looney in there and not use Kaminga and all these other guys. But Warriors got to figure that out. They got manhandled in the paint. But, you know, let's talk about one more thing real quick before we, we bring on our guest. So LeBron, let's go back to LeBron here. Kind of going to the Western Conference Finals here against the Nuggets. You know, I, I think if LeBron wins this series, 
there's a lot of people saying that this would be his most impressive victory or finals run. I still wouldn't agree with that because LeBron is kind of, you could kind of see the balance of power shifting to where AD kind of controls the Lakers. Like the Lakers really do go as AD goes because LeBron's going to do his thing. But sometimes LeBron does his thing and they get blown out. But LeBron can have a okay game to his standards. Let's say like a 20-point game. But if 80 balls out, they'll crush teams. So it doesn't have that same feel. I always will say LeBron's most impressive playoff victory or finals run will be with Cleveland when he won the title in Cleveland. He was the guy. And he controlled everything for the Cavs. That's how I see it as the most impressive. Not necessarily that he's the oldest now, but when was he the most dominant? And he, you could really feel the story behind it too. Winning a title for his hometown. Coming back, beating an all-time great team, a 73-win team in the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. That that's hard to to beat, but LeBron, my guy, I gotta tip it, tip my hat to you. You are doing things that we have not seen before, and you know I'm praying that you you can get eight more wins this playoff run. But the Nuggets are gonna be a handful. You know it's gonna be all about AD and Jokic, right? That's kind of the the marquee matchup, but it, it's gonna take a a full team effort. But I think. You're going to have to use guys like Rui Hachimura more this series, Wenyan Gabriel. Even, I don't know, Mo Bamba maybe dust off those shoes a little bit. You know, you're going to need bigs in this series because Jokic is a problem. <laughs> this is not the Warriors. You can't, we're not playing small ball here. You got to match some physicality inside with Jokic and Aaron Gordon. So I expect Rui, guys like that, they need to step up more in this series. You'll see more of Jared Vanderbilt, I think. So it's going to be a totally different different game plan for Darvin Ham. He's going to have to figure out the rotations. But uh, I guess my early gut feeling is I still think the Lakers win. I'm going to say Lakers in seven. Lakers in seven. But I feel like this series would not surprise me if the home team wins every game one through six. Home, home team just wins. And in game seven... That's the game. Because I never bet against LeBron James in a winner-take-all game. I don't care who he's playing against. LeBron can, you know, he's old. He's going to conserve energy. But for one game, give me LeBron James when all the marbles are pushed into the middle of the table. So I'm going to go with the Lakers in seven. Greg, if you're listening to this episode, I hope you like that pick for me. I know Logan... You know, he's going to disagree on this because he picked the Nuggets, but I got the Lakers in seven against the Nuggets. But anyway, you know, let's take a break right here and we'll be right back with our next segment with our two surprise guests for this week. So stick around.
All right, guys. Well, we are back from our little break here. And as I said earlier, we had two surprise guests coming on the show. And you guys know one of them. Logan is back, our main NBA analyst. But, uh, you know, we pulled in a surprise for this episode. We got, uh, I guess you could say, our junior analyst <laughs> in the NBA. But Matt, welcome to the show. This is your first your first episode after how many years? <laughs> it's only been like a year. I appreciate it. You know, it's an honor to finally be invited by you. I know um, I have to beg you, know, you to be on the podcast. So I, I really will say you finally letting me join. You were, you were the first person we asked to be on the show and you constantly said no. So <laughs> the wow. invite was always there. The <laughs> I remember. I remember. I have the receipts. But at least you're okay, here well, now. That's all that matters. All right. This might be my first and last one after that entrance. But yeah, I'm ready to go, man. I'm excited to go. <laughs> all right. But, you know, let, let's continue with the discussion of this episode. So we're obviously into the NBA playoffs. The conference semifinals have wrapped up. So let's kind of break down each of the matchups. So let's start with the Warriors and the Lakers. So the Lakers end up beating the Warriors in six games. They won game six, 122 to 101. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this game, or I should say this series, um, definitely caused a lot of questions involving the Warriors dynasty. And I previously said that I think that this is the end of the dynasty with this loss. What do you guys think about where the Warriors stand currently? Can they make another run in the future? I think, of course, they can make another run. You just can't count out uh, Steph, Clay, and Dre. They're still going to be intact, or they're still going to be on the roster next come next season altogether. And uh, I think they'll have another run at the finals. But And this is not the end of the dynasty. It's just they, they got a couple more years. This, this is just what uh what did they call it sophomore slump or you know what i mean <laughs> they just come or they're coming off a hangover that's what they say so uh I, yep what do you think sakai uh i mean i have to agree with logan i think the warriors team is just too solid to ever count them out i mean they had you know they had their off games and when they had their off games it was pretty bad like game six like obviously you saw their shooting percentage from three like that just killed them but I mean, overall, they're such a good team. I mean, you couldn't have seen them losing, like, game four. Like, a Lonnie Walker, like, show-out performance. Like, obviously, like, you don't see that coming in a series. So, if their team is returning everyone next year, I think still have a good team. And then just got to develop Jordan Poole a little bit more. And I think should be all set from there. And they're going to be back for sure. You know, that, that's interesting. too was just, like, yeah. trash. Three of 19? Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good point that you brought up about Jordan hey, He Poole. never lost his confidence. Because... You know, speaking of Jordan Poole, I think the whole season kind of revolved around Jordan Poole and Draymond Green's kind of altercation in the preseason. So if you're the Warriors, I don't know if you can have both of them on the same team going into next season. So I think personally, I think one of them has to go. And I would I would probably get rid of Jordan Poole at this point if it was me. But I don't know what you guys think about that situation. Um, I mean, I think I agree with you right now. At the beginning of the season, obviously, everyone's like, oh, they're very high on pole. Like, he had such a good season last year. But, I mean, how he performed at the end of the season, his shooting, his shot decision-making, like, you can't 
really have that when you already have two of the greatest shooters of all time and Clay and Steph Curry with him. Like there's just no need for that versus like Draymond who's like a glue guy and he's been with the dynasty from the start. I think you kind of have to keep him on. He's not going to give you like crazy stats, but he's always going to keep the team together. So that's why I think I value Draymond more as a player and I'll pass it off to Logan. I want to hear what he has to say about that. Well said, man. I like these transitions. I just... This is nice. <laughs> maybe I'll be back, Matt. Maybe, I, maybe I'll be the new host next season. But I, I just have to agree with everything that Sakai just said. That he just said that very well. And there, there's just so much uh, experience with this team. And I don't know. You just, like, can't count them out. All right. So it seems like you guys are in consensus that the Warriors are going to be back. But for now, they are in Cancun. And the Lakers are moving on. But let, let's kind of shift to, to the Lakers uh, side of this. So the Lakers, they did make a little tweak in their starting lineup in game six. They benched Jared Vanderbilt and they started Dennis Schroeder. Now, I don't know if this is something that's going to be uh, like a lineup going forward in their next series. But I think this was a huge reason why they won game six in such a convincing matter and i don't know about jared vanderbilt but i think he might be potentially in the doghouse i don't know but i i i think schroeder's game was the huge reason why they won this series he was my x factor so did you guys have like an x factor for the lakers of whether it was austin reeves d'angelo russell was there a guy that stood out to you for the lakers in this series I got to go with AR-15, man. He's, he's just so young, at, and being this good at that age is just very surprising. And it's just that that level of, uh, of uh, toughness and youth that he brings to the team is, like, very valuable, especially for this very old and very star-heavy roster. And it just it's just so good fit for the team ever since that he got entered into the starting lineup he has just been excelling and uh, I hope he, he'll get a new uh, nice fat big fat contract when it comes the time 20 million dollar contract yeah, yeah, yeah baby. Million? Oh, man, that's crazy. that'd be nuts maybe uh, he should go to the Blazers <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> throwing out these okay, spicy we, no way no, it's okay. We just we just need Dame. We just need Dame. We don't have to build exactly. some Dame. All right, Matt, you got an X factor. Um. Okay. As someone who didn't watch too much playoff basketball this year, I mean, I feel like I have like the most basic answer in Lonnie Walker. You know, obviously huge role player coming off the bench, just scoring, kind of like being that spark for the team. I mean, obviously Austin Reeves kind of came out of nowhere like this whole season. Everyone's going crazy for him, but then Lonnie Walker, like I think single handedly, obviously like changed kind of game four, the ending with what. 15 points in the fourth quarter like LeBron and AD were pretty much like not a factor in the fourth quarter and then they could give it to Lonnie Walker off the bench just to heat up and to actually help them win that game and I think in my mind I thought the Warriors are going to win game four because I was like oh they're going to split the series it'll be 2-2 and I didn't think the Warriors are going to have a 3-1 lead or I thought they could have a 3-1 lead so like for me Lonnie Walker just coming in playing that role like I was upset because I don't like the Lakers but I was like I got to give props to someone with like not expecting to play like that, but just to coming up, coming in, being hot, and just stepping up. 
Yeah, I definitely think Lonnie Walker, the Lakers don't win this series without Lonnie Walker as well. I mean, the, even in game six, I mean, it was a pretty un, a quiet spurt, but he had a spurt in the third quarter that, you know, kept the lead afloat, kind of piggybacking off of Austin Reeves' big first half. So I would say all the answers are correct. Well, Schroeder got ejected, so he kind of didn't really contribute in the second half. But, you know, that's okay. He got under Draymond's skin. But I bet Lonnie Walker has a special place in your heart from a fellow uh, Spur. Yeah. That that's even one of the reasons why I'm cheering for the Lakers. Obviously, I'm a LeBron guy, but Lonnie Walker representing Coach Pop and the Spurs. <laughs> you know, we're sitting in the lottery at this point every year, so at least somebody can get a ring from the Spurs potentially. <laughs> Lonnie Walker. We'll take the wins so, where we can. Go, go Spurs, go. Yep. <laughs> All right, so let's move to the other uh, Western Conference semifinals matchup. So Denver beats uh, Phoenix in six games and really just smacked them <laughs> in game six. Second year in a row that Phoenix gets destroyed in an elimination game at home. And, you know, there was always that news that Monty Williams could be fired. He is officially let go for the Suns. But I don't know. What what did you guys think? Is that the right move to fire Monty Williams? Even though, yes, he did kind of choke, you know, the season away. But he was the winningest coach, I believe, during his tenure in Phoenix. So it's hard to let someone go that kind of really built up the team. What are your guys' thoughts on the Monty Williams situation. Uh, I mean, I think that's just kind of how the NBA is now with coaching. It's like you can have the best regular season, but that doesn't mean anything if you're getting blown out in the game six. If you're getting like losing in the first round, like how the Bucks were, like if you lose in the second round like that. I mean, obviously the Suns they didn't have Aiton, who I would think would have somewhat slowed down Jokic in that game six. Might have been a little bit closer, but. I just think the NBA is very much like if you aren't winning in the playoffs when it actually matters, no one cares what you did in the regular season. Like when the Warriors went 73 and nine, all you can say is they lost in the finals. That's the only thing that really matters on that season. No one remembers them as like, oh, that's the winningest regular season ever. So I just feel like that's how the coaching is now. And, you know, I mean, it's hard because, you know, you lost CP3, who is a really good player, maybe not in the playoffs, but a really good player overall and really good for that team. And, you know, once 18 was out for game six I kind of was like oh it's probably over at that point with having Jokic play against I don't even know the Suns center for that game but having Jokic match over that Jock Landale yep he used to be on the Spurs I believe well that's why he did so terrible all right yep that's why he was I believe he was on the Spurs so you only know Spurs history okay all right yeah but I I mean that's you can't compete with Jokic with a backup center in a game where you need to win to try to stay alive like there's just no chance all right, Logan, you got any spicy takes on this one? I think they just have to consider the DeAndre Ayton angle where they're putting all their money into this big contract long-term for DeAndre Ayton, and there's just so much tension between Monty and Ayton, and you see it all on, like, House of Highlights, all like the bickering, like all the sass, the toxicity. I think it just kind of exploded at the very end. It's very, it's kind of unfortunate that it it came to this ending. But that you gotta consider that uh, 
was a big factor into why Matu just had to go. It just wasn't the fit, and they just want to keep the players happy because that that's what you got to do in this sort of league and to win a championship. You got to have the chemistry with everyone in the whole organization. What do you think, Matsuda? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree. I don't think you could keep Aiton and Monty Williams going into next year. So with that being said, since Monty Williams is gone, does that mean DeAndre Aiton is coming back to Phoenix and Chris Paul? Because I don't know if that team is going to be good enough to, to eventually get over the hump. And I say that because... I don't trust Chris Paul's health. He's getting old. And I don't trust DeAndre Ayton's effort. I really don't. That dude is is lazy. <laughs> he's, he's actually lazy. So can you reward a guy like that? I I don't know. I would if it was me, I would look to to trade him. Especially Ayton. Especially Ayton. Cuz I think you could get value for Ayton because of his age. But Chris Paul might be stuck with them. You might be stuck with him. But I don't know. Do you do you guys would you guys trade DeAndre Ayton and just start over, start fresh, and just build around KD and Book? I would have to say no, but I do think that they have to trade Chris Paul. I think a lot of teams would give a lot of draft picks and assets such as other like star players for Chris Paul just because of his leadership and his ability to will teams to the playoffs and just win games in the regular season. And I think that Chris Paul's health has been very wishy-washy over the past years, and it's just not worth not worth it for the type of money that you're spending for a player like him. I'm actually, I think the opposite of Logan. Like, I think they should trade Aiton and keep CP3. Um, You know, I CP3, Ooh. like, he is older, which, I mean, like you said, Matt, like, he doesn't really have much trade value, but he is, like, a veteran leader in that locker room. Like, obviously, you have KD who has the experience of winning already, but, like, with CP3, you have, like, pretty much like a dog, you know? Like, he's always going to play hard He's when he's healthy. And he's just such a good team player that I think he really complements KD and D book well. And then, like, Aiton, like you said, right, that lack of effort, like, He's young, right? So people still see the potential in him. So I feel like you have to sell him kind of high right now. While like, you know, he put up like decent numbers. Um, you know, having fantasy so the reason why I know his stats a little bit, mm. but like he he has that potential when he gives the effort. And I think you have to sell him on that because if there's another season where everyone's questioning, like, oh, does he really care? Is he really trying? Like his draft based trade value is just tanked already. So I feel like right now you kinda of have to sell him high while you can. Yeah, I, I like that take because I, I think the youth matters in trade value. So I would have to side with Sakai and Dallin. But right, we'll talk about the want... Nuggets. <laughs> we'll talk about the Nuggets when we talk about the Western Conference Finals preview. So we'll move to the to the Eastern Conference. And we'll talk about the Knicks and the Heat. So I know Logan is obviously a little hyped about this one. The Heat are going back to Let's go. the, the Let's Eastern go. Conference Finals. They beat the Knicks in six games and... Ooh, I don't know, Logan. Is this you told me off air you had something spicy? Is this the spicy take? No, it's not. No, it's not the spicy take. No, All right. All right. No, it, 
it's for the other side, the other conference. Okay, okay. But anyway, this was a, a very interesting series to me because in the first series, the Heat played, Jimmy Butler literally carried them through Milwaukee. And in this series, he was kind of a, you know, he struggled a little bit from the field. I think they were kind of keying on him. But I think the guy that stepped up in this round was Bam. So those two stars have been the key. But I'm going to give a guy that I think was huge in their success. And I think that's Kyle Lowry. He's old, but I love Kyle Lowry the way that he's fitting on this Heat team. Coming off the bench and he really acts as as a as a quarterback of the team, you know, kind of controlling the offense. They really don't have that guy in the starting lineup that's a true point guard. And for Lowry to kind of come off the bench and settle things down, especially late in the game, I think that's that's huge for the Heat. So I guess we'll start with Logan since he's the the Heat fan. What what do you think about about Kyle Lowry and his impact this season? Yeah, he's just a true winner, and he just brings that sort of championship experience. All that, all that, uh, all that, like good things that he brings to the team, such as on the defense end, he just gets so many uh, charges, and he's able to just find all these small, annoying ways to like pester the other point guard and it just works really well for the heat culture in general it just brings that sort of toughness to the to the team and it's just like really inspiring and i'm just so glad that he's on the team and we got him him has been a he's been a huge reason why that there's they're having so much success this postseason and i gotta give a shout out to your favorite Heat player, Duncan Robinson, who's been uh, actually been shining through this playoffs in uh, the absence of Tyler Hero. So that's been a huge reason why we've been able to spread the floor out. His ability to shoot threes and catch fire at moments was huge for the series. And it just was very, very hard for the Knicks defense to always have a man on him even when he catches catches and shoot he's just so quick with it it was a release it's just insane it's a beauty, be- beautiful to watch and i got to say jimmy has been playing like he's jesus for miami <laughs> all right so he jimmy butler is jesus he he has jesus in him basically <laughs> he's basically michael jordan's son that's what they're saying. <laughs> I think my background is close. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, whatever you say. Uh, okay. okay. This is going to be a debate in the next one. I can't even wait for that <laughs> one. But, but yeah, right. kind of going off of what Amy Logan Butler. said. I, yeah, no. I Like what Logan was saying, I was thinking of Struess being that Tyler Hero replacement. Yeah. That's a good one. Because you have another good shooter. Um, I think he's a much better shot decision maker than Tyler Hero, who tries to force it a little bit too much. Struess takes what he can get. And Duncan Robinson's the same, right? Like, He's not just going to pull up like ridiculous threes. He's kind of like more methodical. He makes sure he, he kind of does like the Steph Curry approach for me. He runs around screens, you know, he tries to get open and he's just constantly moving. But I think Max Drews, he performed well in this series. And that's kind of the guy who I was watching. I was like, oh, like, you know, being a basketball casual, I was like, who is this guy? But he's doing really well. He's shooting well and he was spinning out the floor. And, but with him and Duncan Robinson, like 
that's just creating a lot of space in the middle for Jimmy to start taking those mid-range jumpers. Yeah, that, that's a good one. I like Duncan Robinson, but he just doesn't play defense. That's why I really can't get sold in on him. Gotta play well, defense. The, well, you know, you know our friend Blaze. You don't need to play defense to be good at basketball, <laughs> for any, according to him. Well, you know, we can talk about Blaze's, Blaze's player in, you know, the next segment. But before that, I want to talk about a Nick, Mr. Randall, Julius Randall. So how many postseasons in a row? I think this is the second postseason. He stunk it up. Do you think the Knicks need to trade him? Both of you guys can answer this one. I mean, I, I think so. Can't see it. You, I, I, it's hard to say, but I think they do have to move away from him. I think RJ Barrett has also been given a lot more touches and given a given a lot of like a leadership role to the team and I think he's been uh, shining also as well as uh, Randall at some times throughout this playoffs but RJ Barrett has been uh, pretty steady throughout the these playoffs leading to this uh, playoff run that they had this postseason what do you think Sakai for Julius Randall oh man he's a good player but i don't think he's great and that's like the main thing for like the knicks like you have a you know a pretty great guard in jalen brunson like obviously you know in the playoffs he played that whole game like you got to give props to someone who does that especially in the nba right now but i think julius randall's too hard to like try to build a team around him like it's a lot easier to build around jalen brunson versus like a julius randall to find players to fit their game and also because you know he's a big man so it's a bit harder to build around that but i'm just not a fan like watching randall it's just not I don't know. I don't explain it, but just not something I enjoy watching basketball. I'm kind of just like, oh, cool. This guy's in the NBA. He has stats, but like you're watching him, you're like, how is he doing so well? It's just, eh. <laughs> and that's me being a casual, right? I don't really watch Nick games. So like <laughs> seeing him in the playoffs, whatever, like, neither do I. <laughs> well, it's never on TV. So that's why. And they're on the East Coast. True, true. All right. Well, I think that's enough of, of that defensive low scoring series. So we can get off of that one. But let's go to the last. Western or Eastern Conference semifinals matchup. So this was probably one of the better ones on paper, the Celtics and the Sixers. This one goes seven and the Celtics come back down three to two, end up winning in seven. Thanks to Matt's version of, of Jesus, I guess, Jason Tatum dropping 51 in game seven. But I want to focus this one specifically on two people. James Harden is the first one. <laughs> James Harden, I I I have no words for this guy. I, I tried to buy into his hype starting in this series. He had a good start in game one. And ever since then, maybe he had one game. I think it was game four. But ever since then, he has been stinking up the joint. Do you think this is this is it for Harden in Philly? Let's assume Doc Rivers gets fired. Let's assume Doc Rivers is gone. Is James Harden coming back? I think James Harden is coming back. I think for next for next year, the core will look similar to this year's roster, and I don't think there's going to be a lot of change. I think they just got to run it back. It's just really unfortunate that uh, Embiid had to deal with these nagging injuries for this last few games, and I, I think it all comes back to 
the regular season and how he pushed so hard to for this MVP trophy, it just really puts a wear and tear on you. And it just pushes your body to another level sometimes. And then when by the time it comes to the playoffs, you're a little bit gassed. And I think that's a little bit of what happened for this this year's playoffs run for the Sixers. And I think that you will see Doc Rivers getting fired and then they'll re- he'll get replaced with, a, I think, a better coach. And it, who, who knows? They'll just make a finals run next year with a, with a rookie head coach. I think it's very possible. This, this team is too talented to not make the finals. I think there's such a beautiful combo of uh, Harden and Embiid. Uh, they're just a very tough matchup to guard. What do you think, Sakai? Um, I mean, I'm kind of hoping Harden leaves. Uh, not going to lie, hearing like the interview with Embiid saying, you know, like we can't win with just me and James. And I was like, you have, you know, people like Tobias Harris, you have Tyrese Max, you have a really good lineup. And PJ Tucker. Yeah, PJ Tucker, great defender, but like you have a really solid team around you. And like you complaining about, you know, Embiid just won MVP this year. Harden's a former MVP, and you're saying that's not enough to win. Like you're not going to get rid of Embiid, obviously, but I think trading Harden and trying to get like some younger assets, some more like well rounded players that will one play defense and will try to feed Embiid and also feed the players around them that are so good. I think that would be better. Um, I just think Harden's going to go back to the Rockets, like what was reported recently. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> oh, shit. He just wants the party before. in Houston. He just exactly. wants the party. Well, I mean, if not, he's going to go to Atlanta to go get some wings there. That's all. He, that's the only other place I can think <laughs> of for him to match him. Oh, jeez. All right. But, wow. let, okay. Yeah. We, uh, well, enough of James Harden. He hasn't played defense. So let's let's shift to previewing the conference finals. So, in the West, we got the Nuggets and the Lakers. Now, this one, let's talk about LeBron for for a quick second. So everyone's kind of talking that LeBron, he's getting close. He's eight wins away from another wing ring. No. Do you think if they win, would this be his best finals run? That's a tough question. I would have to say yes. Yeah. Mainly because of how this team started and how the team ended up last year too. It's just unreal to see how they transformed this roster from the beginning of the season to the trade deadline and making this total flip of the switch. Like adding D'Angelo Russell Vanderbilt and every Rui Hachimura were just like huge pieces that are just so vital to this Lakers team right now. And I think that if LeBron wins this fight, this year's championship, I think it will be his best year out of all. All right, Sakai, what do you think? I mean, you know, I feel about LeBron, but I have to agree with Logan. Like, just seeing where this team was at the beginning of the year, all the doubters with their roster, right? Seeing what they did at the trade deadlines, seeing what they did in the offseason, like, building around LeBron a better team for him. But it, the fact that, it's, you know, just him and AD, like, are, like, the two stars that everyone knows, right? This is, like, probably the least star-studded team he's been on. And 
looking at all the role players that kind of step up with LeBron, but seeing LeBron lead that effort, seeing LeBron play like, you know, most of the season, like just seeing that, I was like, I really respect this season out of him. I hope it doesn't end in the championship, but if he does get that ring, I will respect him. And then I'm ready for him to retire. Oh, and they would be the only uh, seventh seed to win the championship too. That'd be insane. That's true. Record. They would be the lowest seed. Well, actually, you got a seven seed in the conference finals. And you got an eight seed on the other side. Yep, so they'll be seven, eight. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, they're both going to lose in the conference finals. That's crazy. Cinderella <laughs> uh, runs going to end, man. Midnight already. That's what I'm saying. That's why. Not yeah, this year. You All right. Get so Scottie Pippen Jr. some minutes, and then maybe they'll be better. Okay, we saw him in person. He was good. He was really good. Yeah, we, we just got to give Udonis yeah. Haslam some minutes, and then we'll be fine. Okay, Scotty Pittman schooling Javon McClanahan is not like you know going against D'Lo and LeBron. Let's, let me just put that out there. So he just doesn't take on Jamal Murray though. It's fine. <laughs> oh jeez, just a little bit taller than Javon. Yes, he's he's totally just like Javon. He can totally shut him down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, easy. All right, but that's a good that's a good point you brought up. So let's let's I want to hear this. So give me your guys' prediction on this series. Who wins? How many games? And who's the gonna who's gonna be the X factor for the winning team? What player? I Sakai, think... you... okay, Logan, no, you can go, go first. No, no, Sky, go. <laughs> so I'm trying to look at players on the Nuggets real quick. Um oh. so my pick, I have I have the Nuggets. I have the Nuggets winning in six. In six. Oh. I think it's going to be a good series, but I think there's no way they stop Jokic. And you don't, I mean, you just need Jamal Murray to step up too. That's the main thing. Because obviously those games where Jokic was carrying against the Suns, they still lost all those games. Obviously you need to get Murray more involved. But oh, let's see the X factor for this series. Michael Porter Jr. He can just play his role. Well, he's like one of the few players I know, first of all. And then he's if he can play his role well, he will do so slow in this series. But he just... He has like those Jordan pull moments where I'm like, what are you doing? Like the pull up three, I was like, what? Are, why? I was like, you don't need that right now. But if he plays within himself and the capability he has, like you can't stop Jokic, Murray, and Porter with his like AD and LeBron. Like you can't stop all three of them matched up wise. So, and then I think it just kind of, you just show why Jokic is like supposed to win the MVP, like why he's such a great player. And I think the Lakers don't really have anything to match with that. Sorry, Logan. I know it's complete opposite for this. So let's hear what you're All right, Logan, say. let's hear your take. I am picking Lakers in six. Oh, Stephen A. Okay, bold take right there. Wait, wait. Let me lay low. Let me just say that. Do you remember in the in the beginning when we did our playoff predictions that you said the Nuggets will come out of the West? Are you jumping off that bandwagon? I am jumping off that bandwagon. Oh, all right, (laughs) all right. Like we've seen enough games of the Lakers and. They are just so playoff ready and they're just hungry for this championship that they managed to look very impressive so far. And I think that they have the right pieces to match up against Nuggets, especially with that AD to the Jokic matchup. That'll be fun to watch. And what also is will be like a key matchup for this for this uh, series is Rui versus uh, Aaron Gordon. That would be that would be a huge mm-hmm. matchup. To, as long as Rui can hold his own weight against Aaron Gordon and push him out of the paint, he brings that this huge big toughness to the team when he's whenever he's on defense. And I think that he can bang well with uh, Aaron Gordon. And it's just 
will be one of the one of a the great conference finals to watch and i'm excited to announce that i bought a ticket to game six of the western conference finals <laughs> in <laughs> crypto.com <laughs> arena they might not even make it are they you serious I am... so you planned the whole trip without even okay. Okay. <laughs> I I what if they don't make I it think, yeah what I if think, they win in the i'll be very five. sad and i'll <laughs> get I think refunded that's a fair for my but I, I bought the ticket a couple days ago, and I was like, "Fuck it, I need a vacation, <laughs> and I want to go see LeBron beat the Nuggets in six games, and that would be nuts." That's I why I'm wait, saying, wait, wait, you're going to LeBron's. Six. You're going to LeBron's last game ever. That's pretty cool. <laughs> no, <laughs> when they lose the conference finals, and he retires. Wait, wait, so. Oh, this caught me a golf. How much was the ticket, first off? And are you going oh, by yourself? I don't know if I want to announce <laughs> that. I don't know. I'm was it, was it over a thousand? Okay, it wasn't over a thousand. Oh, okay. But <laughs> the tickets I bought weren't aren't great. They're in like the 300 nosebleeds. Like, but it was still pretty pricey compared to the games at the Moda Center. <laughs> well, that's a different. Well, $10 that's tickets at the Moda yeah. Center. Yeah. No, even but, like I mean, the playoffs. Like... But like, this is insane. Like I had to, like, I had to pay over nine hundred dollars for <laughs> for nosebleed tickets, row eleven, diagonal angle. But yeah, right. I'm, I'm set on going Memorial Day weekend. Just going for a trip. Just All to right. relax. I like that's that. Awesome. I mean, I like the confidence and I respect that because that's like one of the best experiences ever. A conference finals where you get to see LeBron, you get to see Jokic, get to see Michael Porter drop 40. Like that's going to be really cool to see. So I'm very excited for you. And I'm definitely going to text you when the Nuggets win in six. And be like, wow, what a waste of money. Just watch that at home. But I mean, cool experience. But like maybe go buy a Nuggets jersey after this game. All right. Wow. That's that. I was not expecting that. So that's pretty cool. But I did say on the previous recording, Logan, that I think the Lakers are going to win, but I think they're going to win in seven. So I don't think you're going to see the closeout game. I think it's going to be Lakers in seven. But, okay, we got about five minutes left. Let's try to get through the last uh, conference final matchup, and then we'll take a quick break. So Heat and Celtics, I mean, it's the bubble, the bubble reunion at this point. So why don't you guys give me... Same thing. Give me who wins the series. Who's the X factor? I know Logan's answer. At least on actually, I think I know both of your answers. At least who's gonna win? Uh, I I think you can assume who's gonna win in my background. <laughs> Good job, Matt. <laughs> Logan, would you like to go first? Um, I feel like you're a lot more passionate about the Heat, so I'm excited to. Yeah, I think that the Heat will win in seven games. It'll be a redemption game for Jimmy Butler at the Garden, and and it will be it will be a great finals run for this uh, redemption story. I think the Heat can uh, right all their wrongs from last season and make it to the finals. All right, so you got Heat Lakers in the finals again, the bubble finals. Wow, well, I'm the complete opposite. I have Celtic and seven. I think me and Logan picked the exact same game numbers, just opposite teams for both of these. It's pretty crazy, but I have the Celtic and seven. Obviously, we have a guy coming off five quarters that just popping off right here. 
because you know that fourth quarter performance in game six and he carried over to a 50 point game in game seven I'm like how can you doubt that but I think my x factor is going to have to be Marcus Smart because I love Marcus Smart as a player just kind of like kind of like a Kyle Lowry but to me a lot more physical and a little bit better of a defender and I hope he gets matched up with Jimmy Butler because I want to see him just dogging Jimmy Butler, just making him upset. And, you know, obviously they're going to go back and forth. So I think that's going to be a really good matchup. And it's always fun to see Marcus Smart match up with a great player. I respect Jimmy Butler. He's a great player. But I think the Celtics team is just a little bit too loaded for them to stop. And I'm ready to see the Celtics win the whole championship after that. All right. Okay. Matt's got Celtics and Nuggets. I'm going to say Celtic. I think the Celtics win. I think Celtics in six. I think they're better than last year's team. And I just think they're they're ready. They're ready. So and I think I don't think the Heat are the same too when, when they played in the bubble. I think there's just something missing. I think Boston has kind of grown. Jason Tatum is that much older, that much more experienced. And like Matt said, he just dropped fifty. So you got Jesus on the Celtics versus Jesus on the on the Heat. So I think I gotta pick the Celtics one on this one. Sorry, Logan. <laughs> Jimmy will find a way. Jimmy will find a way. Y'all are sleeping on Jimmy Butler. <laughs> All right. Okay. He'll well, find a way to Cancun, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. Well that was that was a good uh, NBA playoff talk, but let's take a quick break and then we'll come right back and talk about the, the big news uh circling around the NBA and then We'll end it with a quick game. So stick around. Sorry. All right, guys, we're back from our little uh, two minute break, but we wanted to get back into the NBA talk because there was some big news involving one of the big NBA superstars. The point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies, John Morant, made some pretty big headlines. Uh, he was suspended from all Memphis Grizzlies team basketball activities after another viral video of him showed up that he had a gun in his hand again. So, Ja, this is the second time. I don't know what's going on with you, man. But Logan, you know, you wanted to talk about this, and so I'll give you the floor first. What is your your thoughts on John Morant at this current state? It's just very embarrassing to see him go through all of this off court drama that he's like dealing with. It's just so unnecessary, and it's just like building this really negative narrative behind John Morant's image and he has all the endorsements he has all the deals from Nike to sports drinks to Jordan and all this he's getting all these these large contracts and this past in time that he or no the first time that he pulled out a gun he had to deal with over 500 thousand dollars he had to spend to uh, deal with that whole issue and that whole drama and now that he's done it again he's gonna have to be in suspended how many 
I don't know how many more games, but it's just so much money that just like is being moved around and he, he he's making it worse that they lost in the first round in the playoffs too. And Dylan Brooks isn't helping with the all of the Grizzlies drama too. And it's just really exploding and it's very unfortunate that this cursed franchise has to deal with this. And I just re- really am confused at why John Moran has to be such a dumbass and not learn from his mistakes. It's just so confusing. And he he might be the second best draft pick in in his uh in his draft. And RJ Barrett might be the first, because that's what uh uh Stephen A. Smith Stephen A. say. <laughs> Yep, yep. That on case. I don't know, man. We'll see what the re- repercussions will be for this uh, terrible, terrible situation. Yeah, Matt, what do you think about this whole situation with Jaw? I mean, I think Logan hit it. Like, you have to be, not to be mean, but you have to be really dumb for this to happen within a couple of months. This isn't like years later, something surfaces. This is like a couple months ago, he did spot in a club with a gun. You know, he apologizes for that. He goes through, like, these, like, sensitivity trainings. And then, literally, they're out of the playoffs. It's, what, second round's going on. And it happens again. Like, you, how are you not aware at all of, like, you saw what happened the first time. You saw the reaction. You saw the repercussions you got. And you were like, oh, yeah, this will be fine. Like, no one will care if it happens again. And I think you have to look at it as, like, think about how many people looked up to him. Like with his story, you know, not being recruited out of high school, going to Murray State, like a small school, and moving up to the number two draft pick. Like he, so many kids look at him like, wow, look at Jaw, look at where he came from. You know, he started off like not being recruited. And now he's like an NBA all-star. Like he's the face of the Grizzlies, basically. Like so many people were looking up to him. And the first time he did it, you know, everyone makes mistakes. He got suspended for that. He said, you know, I learned from this. But the fact that it's the exact same situation, you did the exact same thing, like you have to be more aware like you're like you're famous people know you and the fact that he was like it was i mean it wasn't his story it was his friend's story and i have to say that friend is either the worst friend possible or one of the dumbest people ever for being like oh yeah and like you know the whole job situation that happened before and you still post something like that again like i just think like it's just extremely disappointing to see him because you know people are a big fan of his game it's fun to watch him he's exciting but if you can't handle the pressure of being in the limelight and you can't understand your role like as a role model and someone people look up to and like being a future like franchise player right like a future face of the NBA as KD said like you shouldn't be like doing things like this and it shows a lot about like I don't know if it's his maturity level but it just shows you like he's not thinking about like what the repercussions are and he just has to be more like aware of that being like such a big star and yeah she's like extremely disappointing and just one of the dumbest things I've ever seen like I saw the news on ESPN, like the notification, I was like, oh, this already happened. I was like, oh, it was again. And I was like, I, there's, like there's no way this is the exact same headline. Like, why are they bringing it back? And I was like, it's the exact same headline. I was like, what is he doing? Like, is he trying to get kicked out of the NBA? Like, is that what he's trying to do? Because it's like, there's no explaining what can go through your mind where it's like, where that happens. Yeah, you know, I think that's a good point that you bring up, Matt, about his friends kind of like, you know, Josh surrounding himself with the right group of people. And the thing that I, I thought that was, a little sad was kind of related to I think it was his mom I don't know if you guys heard this story but they said that 
I think it was pretty recently, like Jaw's mom was at like a mall or something and she was shopping and she got into it with the with the worker at the store. And then she called like she called Jaw to tell him, like, oh, like I'm having problems with this guy. Like, can you come down? So they said Jaw came down in like 15 minutes with like eight or nine guys, like a full on gang. And they like trapped the guy in in a closet or like a room and was basically like threatening him. Yeah. It was like, what? <laughs> like Jaw did have, that. Yeah. I did not know that. I, I heard that story today. They actually talked about it today on um Undisputed with Skip and Shannon. <laughs> so I was like, whoa, like I didn't know that was a thing. Like I thought it was just like his friends, but if it's like his mom is kind of, you know, instigating that, like, I don't know. Why would you put Jaw in that situation if you're his parent? Like, you know, he's already going through a lot right now. Like, don't let him, you know, come into a big spot like, like that. Like, I just think that's, that's a bad judgment on his mom. And, you know, the people around him need to do a better job. Not saying like the friends, but I'm more saying like his true support system with his parents, his really close friends, family, the, the Grizzlies team, the organization. So I think it's more from that perspective. It's like, wow, they need to really gather around this guy and really make sure that he's not in situations like that. So I thought that was the one thing that was like, oof, that one kind of hit hard. I think it's just crazy how much has come out recently about Jaw, right? Like you never heard anything negative about him. And then these past couple of months, there's just so many stories coming out about him. It's like, what flipped that switch is like what I'm wondering, right? Because like all these negative, like the story you just told, these other things about like, threatening like kids under 18 like, beat up a kid did, yeah yeah like where is this coming from because like nothing like that ever happened well at least that we know of maybe but nothing that was ever reported and like what changed where all this like is the nba getting to his head like is it different people he's having in his life now and that's why it's always like where is like the source of this and that's what i was wondering when i saw that second story i was like there has to be something going on if this is like a repeating like pattern with him now and like it wasn't like that before so i don't know if he's just really good at hiding it before but like he's been a star for a long time ever since he got drafted right so like how did nothing else come out before and like that's what just i just don't understand where this all came from it's the contract he got the he got the big payday and that could just get to his head i mean some people they take it the wrong way so i don't know the kyler, that could be an the kyler murray approach yeah. the kyler murray approach yeah. well at least kyler murray's not like a kyler murray just doesn't study film at least you know, he, well, he plays Warzone. He plays Warzone. He focuses <laughs> on that. That's what he does. Streaming all night, bro. All right, but I want to ask one more thing before we get off of this topic. So Logan actually kind of brought this up, talking about Jaw being the second best player in his draft class. So let's take, let's go back to 2019, and if you guys are draft, if you guys have the number one pick, you have to draft between Zion, Jaw, and RJ Barrett. But you know that everything that happened as of now, who would you take? Uh, I'm I'm might be kind of stupid. I'm taking Zion still number one. I'm still taking Zion, and then I'm taking RJ Barry two. I'm taking Jaw three. I'm taking Zion one because even though he has played the least amount of games, he's still such a big name star. He's always voted an All Star. He doesn't even have to play that many games. He's still voted an All Star. He's so dominant when he's healthy. His body has changed a lot over the past couple of years, so I'm very impressed with how he does that. But 
he's just he's too big of a star for you to be I mean granted it's been like what four seasons where he hasn't really played but I think you still look at it as like you know how dominant he's gonna be and how dominant he can be and you know he's still young he's what 23 24 probably like I still think you have to take that risk because especially if you're New Orleans right like you're a smaller market team you have to take that big name star that like could be like one of the greatest players of all time and that, I think Zion still has that potential and then I take RJ Barrett number two because, well, the whole jaw thing, you have to drop jaw. <laughs> um, but RJ Barrett, I think he's a really solid player. You know, obviously he doesn't get as much love because he's on the Knicks. But if you look at his stats wise, like he's a well-rounded player. He's not like going to amaze you with his skills, but he knows how to play his role. He can shoot, he can play defense, he rebounds. He rebounds really well for a guard. So I think he's number two. And then I think you take number three, jaw at three, because you look at what has happened in his past couple months, you can't invest your whole future as a franchise into a player like that. Like, you never want that to be the face of the franchise. Like, you don't want that to be like, oh, this is when you think of Memphis, you think of Jaw, right? Like, you can't have this face of, like, him going, him beating up people. Like, that can't be your guy as a future, like, as a first-round pick. And, yeah, so I definitely think that's my order. Um, I think that's kind of a hot take. Still taking Zion one, but I have faith in him. You know, fifth year. First four years, like he's just that. resting, you know. He's redshirting the first four years, so he's ready to play this next year. <laughs> All right, that's fair. Logan, what do you think? If we're only talking about the those three players and not talking about like other other players in that lottery, like Darius Garland, like the, we'll we'll just stick to those. Stick three with those players. three. Yeah. They're the big names yeah, yeah, coming I, out. I don't know any other okay. players in my draft, so yeah, stick with those three. <laughs> Cam Reddish. Cam <laughs> Reddish. Oh, he's on the blade. Rui. Rui. Oh. I would have to say. You would pick John Morant three, of course, because this whole drama has been terrible for his image and for the organization. And it just has nothing to do with basketball, pretty much. And I would have to say I would pick Zion at two, not one. I think the best ability is availability, especially in the playoffs. Like, you need to be healthy when it comes to playoffs because that's what the team is trying to get every year. That's what we're, they're striving for, for the for the playoffs and get a championship. So if Zion cannot do that, then he doesn't have much value for the team. And that's why I would have to say R.J. Barrett would have to be number one pick in that situation because he – has been available. He's been there, but he hasn't been great. But eh, he has shown potential this <laughs> last no, playoffs. I, definitely solid player. And, you know, Zion would have came yeah. back if the Pelicans made the playoffs. He was just resting until the end of the season. But, yeah, I yeah, know that's fair. I mean, I agree with that, Logan. But yeah, I still think I just would pick Zion because of the name and what you bring to that city, whatever team you join. But, yeah, aren't you very Yeah, I, I think it depends. Like, I, I can see both cases being right. Whereas, like, maybe it depends, like, if, say if you're the Knicks picking first, maybe you pick Zion for the for the money and the revenue. But to Logan's credit, if you're like, just a team, just you just need bodies, you can't really go with any other answer except RJ because Zion is looking like the next Greg Odin at this point. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of sad. No, but it's kind of yeah, Greg yeah, Odin was sad. talented. He was a he was a dude, but he just couldn't stay on the court. So. Yeah, it's it's tough, but I could see both cases being right. Well, Zion's but... always in the food court, so that's one court he's in. <laughs> I hope that oh, makes his Instagram format. 
we'll see we'll see but okay that's enough of the the nba talk we can talk about nba later but let's end this this pod with a little a game i kind of wrote this up it's not that hard it's really simple it's start bench and cut there's three three players just yeah you guys know how this works but i wrote it to where i think it would be best appropriate for each person like specific to you guys so the first two are pretty generic it's nba and then the rest will go a little more out of the nba but you'll see so we'll start with logan logan you get the first one start bench or cut this is coaching coaches eric spolstra steve kerr and greg popovich Unbiased, unbiased, oh, unbiased. No, uh, I want to. I want to hear it. No, I want to hear. Yeah, it. yeah. You're talking to the I number would one start Cowboys fan. Greg Popovich. I think he is a legend. He's <laughs> <laughs> he's been coaching for way too damn long, and he has the championships, and he's been able to be successful and build championship teams through multiple generations and with very different rosters, but it was mainly centered around Tim Duncan. He had had to do with some part of their success, but I would have to bench our fellow University of Portland alumni. Spo. Spostra. Okay. And then I would have to cut Steve Kerr because, I don't know, he has... He still has to prove that he can win without Steph Curry in order to be known as one of the the all-time greats, I think. All right. I, I like that. That's That was actually what I was thinking you were going to say. So I'm glad you said Greg Popovich as just saying. Greg Pop, go Spurs go. Sorry. I have to say that again. All right, Matt, you get the next one. So I will, this is podcast basketball podcast oh i was gonna say old man and the three but i think that would have been a little too easy so that's out we'll say the draymond green show all the smoke or podcast p with paul george (laughs) i actually Uh, listened to his podcast it's not bad yeah Uh, um okay i mean i have to start draymond because, I mean, he's Draymond. He's entertaining. He's fun to watch. He has. He always has good guests. So I'm always a fan of that. Um, listen to a couple of them. He's an interesting guy, you know? And it's fun to see his perspective from off the court because obviously his on-court persona is very different. And he, he still has intensity, but like, you know, he's very different. And it's fun to see that side of him. Um, second one would probably be, or Bench would be All the Smoke. Um, I mean, that's just a pretty hilarious podcast. Some of their guests, I'm just like watching. I'm like, I love all the smoke. It's just hilarious. Like, listen to them. Like, this is like you can listen to this like during the day, like all day, like easy to just listen to. And even if you're not like a big NBA fan, like they'll talk about other things that aren't around basketball <laughs> necessarily. So it's always like really entertaining to hear that. And then I would definitely cut Paul George because <laughs> I just don't like. I'm not a huge Paul George fan. Man. <laughs> it was pretty good. I listened to it a couple of days ago. It's not bad. Really, I uh, yeah, maybe we'll give him another shot, but I think he just started though, so give him some slack. Okay, I'll get him some time to get a better mic, get a better setup. Yeah, then I'm excited to see him. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. The old man on the three definitely would have won by far. Yeah. Um, All right. 
that's a consensus. All right. So, Logan, you get the next one. But the, these next ones are not NBA related. This is just people. Ba- but it's based. Intramural basketball. It's based off basketball of basketball team. talent. Basketball talent. That's how you're oh, grading shit. it. Okay. Oh, I think I kind of know. So, where you're going. so Logan, you're. This is your first. This is yours. Kelly Okubo, <laughs> Shelby Arakawa, and Kristen Tamagawa. <laughs> Logan, don't go in the doghouse. Oh, you know who to start. You know who to start, Logan. Don't go in the doghouse today. Oh, that's so tough. I think I would have to start Kristen Tamagawa. Okay. Unbiased. Unbiased. Smart man. Smart man. Good answer. All right. All right. I think mainly because she has this is basketball basketball, basketball experience yes. for yeah. Pacific University D three women's basketball. She uh, played for a couple games for them until she got injured, but yeah, uh, eh, you could say that she's still a collegiate athlete. So I would have to start her, unbiased, and I would have to bench Kelo Kubo. I think. She, I played with her a lot, and I respect her a lot. She's really good at basketball, and uh, she she always can score the score the basketball when she tries, but most <laughs> times she, she doesn't <laughs> give a fuck That's... and doesn't want to run. So, you hear that, Kelly? You got to put more. Yeah, you hear that, Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> you got to hustle. <laughs> she knows. She knows, and I would have to, but. Shelby Arakawa, I'm sorry. Shelby, if you're watching this, it's okay. Shelby, no hard feelings. She's, she's, probably, no hard she's feelings. probably not. She's probably not. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, she's not. <laughs> All right. You never know. Yeah. All right, Sakai, you're next. I'm very concerned about this. Where that question went, I kind of have you a. Got, is this our? Is this our house? You got Christian Ono. Yeah. Time in Atoya. Oh. And Hayato Kevin Falcon oh. Kamata. <laughs> Oh, this is just basketball only. This is basketball skill or like who I want to on my team. Like what? Like just this pure skill. It's however you want it, but it's just based off how they play basketball. Okay. Well, I live with one of them. Play in the other. Like high school basketball, the other. Uh, oh, okay, that's a good question. Okay, that's a really good question. Um, I'll, start... ah, I'll take that. That's a compliment would, to me. I would start. I would start Christian. Really? Because, yeah, because <laughs> I I know Hayato's playing professional. Okay, yeah, but okay, well, Christian. I just think he plays well and he knows how to play the game. Like you know, he's not crazy tall. He's not crazy athletic, but he just knows how to score. He can score from all levels. He's pretty. He's a really good team player. I think. And from like the few G League runs I went to, I saw him play, and I was like, oh, I'm very impressed by how he plays overall. Even when we were younger, I was watching. I was like, he's pretty good. Um, I'd have to bench Hayato because he cannot make free throws. If you can't make free throws, you can't play basketball. Like, I mean, he's playing professional. Props to him, but he can't make free throws. He missed. He was the worst free throw shooter on the Intramural team. True. Like how? And he scored like 40 points a game. He would have had 60 if he could make free throws. But I mean, he's really he's good. The best he's and worst player. Yeah, I know. That's why he was. Yeah, I, I think. I don't know if it's also because on our team, we weren't really a team. So that's why I didn't get to see him really like be like, I'm going to distribute. It was never an option because our team was not exactly <laughs> filled with talent. So we're like, I have to shoot every time you want. So I would hold the other him. And then 
unfortunately, my boy Ty, I'm sorry if you're listening to this, but I have to cut Ty because, I mean, he's a great point guard. But I think Christian Hayato, skill-wise, like, they're great players. And Ty is definitely, like, my favorite team player out of that group. I will give him that. Shout-outs to you, Ty, for being the best HBA point guard I know. But, <laughs> yeah, fortunately, he's getting cut from this team. And, you know, better luck next year. All right. Yeah, no no hard feelings. This is all, this no is all good, good, good fun. But, Ty, I'll see you on the courts anyway. But yep. All right, Logan, we'll, we'll go back to you on this one. Oh, no. Greg Nagula. And the two mats. <laughs> you have to specify which mat. Seven, you know oh, seven two two seven. You got to. You know who to start. Seven two two seven. Can I say who I would start? No. <laughs> this is Logan's question. Man, what a spot! I think I would have to start Matthew Sakai. Go <laughs> best mat on his podcast. <laughs> Mainly because I played HRC with him, and uh, we've been through some very tough times where we had uh, zero wins for a whole season for our oh, team, <laughs> and we've come a long way. Game, no matter what, we always yeah. we learned a lot through that season, and we, and we got better together. That's all that matters. And we had fun. That's the main thing. So <laughs> we have a lot of experience <laughs> underneath our belt. So I I give him the slight edge. It's a close Light second, edge. though. It is not close. Slight edge. <laughs> it is not close. And second, at all. it's it's really it's really if a toss up between. If I played Matsuda basketball more than Greg. once a year, I would be better easily. I don't play basketball more than once a year. We gotta play. You gotta you gotta okay. show up, and we'll see who is the best. Anyways, I'm not a good one. I would have to say, I would have to bench. Oh. Matt Matsuda, I think. Okay. I'm sorry, Greg, but <laughs> you don't have know. to explain. You don't have to explain the bench. Explain the cut. I want to hear this one. Just explain what <laughs> the one person not on the podcast today. The, the so fan, the you, fan is cut. It's because Greg is not here, so uh, I don't have to deal with his reaction. That's a good scapegoat. You're not getting anybody right. back on the podcast. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, Greg. <laughs> All right, we got a couple more, couple more. But Sakai, this next one is for you. You got me, Logan, and Lucas. Lucas, where did that come from? Oh, did I see that one coming? Um, hope Lucas sees this. I'll send it to him. We'll show it to him. Yeah, we'll show it to him. Um, so exact, so like. Like right now, or like like when we play together, kind. Like when we play together. Think about like when we're in a team, you know, you know yeah, how like, like I'm a team player and like how I Lucas set screens and, you, and I, I, I how like, Logan fouls every time he does offensive fouls. Well, it's not his fault. His elbows are just like exactly. always in your face. Yeah. That's not his fault. He's just tall. He can't control that. He's just like, and how Lucas has mean him. handles with that with that mean crossover that he thinks he has. And then he he's almost like Jordan Poole. No, Jordan Poole can make layups. He just can't make <laughs> Lucas can't make layups. Lucas just fills it up. And he's like, oh, and then he misses. So, okay. Um, all right. Let me just, okay, start. I'm going. I guess I'll go with um the Fnatic. I think he's 
plays yeah. physical and he plays physical down low and <laughs> you know obviously playing on an undersized intramural team i respected that because i was like there's no way i'm playing low. Oh, like, thank you that's your problem i was like I'm, I'm better on offense so i'll just let you play low because i was like i know i can contribute more on that end so and then i would have to go into logan sorry logan but i mean logan's very tall and he's gotten so much better from when we first started playing basketball oh, yeah. Because like he was so like Tommy Brown, not gonna lie, Tommy so Brown, bad. like where he couldn't catch the ball, it was kind of an issue. Yeah, but then now, like yeah. Logan, when he ran a G League, I was like, I was scared to play against one because he plays very serious and he's very like he can score down low. He's a good post player, but also because his elbows are so pointy, like that's not even that shouldn't even be illegal. Like let's he helps with offensive rebounding. I noticed that's why I don't even try to rebound when I see him. I'm like, ah, Logan got another. Logan's gonna double double easy this game because I'm not gonna try. <laughs> that's why. And then. Logan plays physical, and I respect that. And Logan knows how to box out and play, and he's tall. Lucky yep. you. I learned from the best, Coach Jerry. Woo, fist hey, <laughs> hey, shout shout outs to Coach Jerry on the podcast. Hope you're still exactly. coaching out there. <laughs> you're the best coach. Tell the other team I play every time, yelling. I, I respect that favorite coach ever. Fist still and scramble. That's all you gotta do. I mean, it works when you have good play. <laughs> and then, I mean, obviously, you're gonna have to cut Lucas, the guy who can't make layups. He's very fast. But that doesn't matter if you can't make a layup and you can't really handle the ball very well or pass very well. I respect his his trash talk game is very good. That's probably the best part of his game. It's not his actual game. It's just his trash talk is really good. Everything else about his game, I do not like watch. So are you saying Lucas is Dylan Brooks? Ooh. <laughs> oh. No? Nah, Dylan Brooks is still likable. Dylan Brooks is still likable. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh, Shots fired. All right. Because I hope you're listening. I thought that was going to be harder. I honestly thought that was going to be harder with Lucas. It was. I, I mean, it's between you and Logan because you guys make different stuff. Like, different no, but I thought it was going to be like a three. It seemed like it was between, you know, two people and then just kind of threw Lucas Oh, yeah, no, was, yeah. Well, Lucas, I was laughing when you said that because I just didn't see that one coming. I thought you were going to see someone that you know, went to school with us or something. <laughs> All right. Okay, this is the last one. Last one of the pod. And both of you guys need to answer this one. But Logan has to go first on this one. But both of you guys have to answer. <laughs> the three the three people are HBA Blaze, OSU Blaze, or Revacom Blaze. <laughs> Why Revacom? Why don't you just say Blaze? Oh, <laughs> <that's it. laughs> wait, wait. Like, like as a person or a basketball style? <laughs> Bas- this is basketball only. This is not person. We already know the person is just... Yeah, he but basketball. Person. It's just hard to distinguish, distinguish the the two <laughs> basketball, like, basketball, non basketball blaze. I'll be I'll be nice, Logan. I'll lead with the non basketball blaze. Um, I'm going HBA blaze number one. The other two are just terrible. I don't. The other two are just bottom barrel. I'm like, no, no. HBA blaze, nice kid. After that, I don't know. Mr. Kuki, I honestly did <laughs> like HBA blaze the best, maybe. He was so shy, and now he's like, man. now he's kind of, he's not shy anymore as much. I'm like, whoa, Blaze. I miss the old Blaze, man. Remember East Coast trip when we would bully him the whole whole time, pretty much with Josh Combo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Blaze did not like this on that trip, but he liked this a lot after, so it's okay. Yeah, and exactly. And now and I'm his favorite core. <laughs> I would have to say, but basketball-wise, I would, I think... OSU Blaze, I think he 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 played a lot of pickup back in his college days, and he had a lot of time to work out and get get some muscle on. So I would start him first, and then bench. Uh, 
I would have to say uh current blaze yeah i played with him uh this past weekend he was actually pretty good but he airballed a couple of threes but uh you couldn't tell because the wind was strong too so hey he still played good with the pick and roll with me so i liked it so he he got in a lot better since his hba days so that's why i would have to cut hba blaze but i love you blaze Okay. This is this is what I want to hear. <laughs> um, so we're taking. I'm gonna take in basketball skill and also personality on the court here. Um, into my answer. Um, I would start OSU Blaze. I mean, I think he was pretty solid oh, okay. in basketball all the time. He started. He started working out a little bit more. He was a little bit more physical. He could play well. He kind of passed the ball, especially to Greg that one time. He really threw the ball at Greg that one time. So that was always a funny story. But I think yes, OSU Blaze was solid. He was a good player. Um. Considering his blaze, yeah, decent player. Um, and then bench, I would go HBA blaze because he didn't have an eagle, and that's a big thing for a player that you want in your team <laughs> is to not have a big eagle. <laughs> Granted, he was the and he was the best shooter I've ever seen in practice in my life. I Logan can attest this. He was the best practice shooter. Every oh game he would goodness. he would throw a layup off the backboard like forty miles an hour, and then he would just airball every three. But so practice, he was just, he was lights out. He was the best shooter on our team in practice. But every game. We're like maybe just take a break, please. <laughs> Actually, get benched real quick, and then I would have to cut um current blaze, Remicon blaze, as you refer to him, because you when you play pickup with him, this guy is just a menace to society. <laughs> the way he talks to people, like I'm like you can't say stuff like that. Like that's a little like talking trash is one thing, but like I'm like you're going too far here, you know? Like especially when you play with like people that maybe like there's, I think there's like high school kids that he plays with, and I'm like you shouldn't say some stuff like out loud like this, and then you know. You see him and his dad, and then I'm like, this is this is not the version of Blaze I remember when he was a nice little kid in fourth grade when we became friends. So I was like, oh, I'm very disappointed in that. So he's definitely getting cut from my team because that's a toxic team member right there. You changed, bro, Blaze. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Blaze, Blaze, there's no you changed. I'm oh, so sad. We missed the old Blaze. Bring back the old Blaze. Nice kid. Uh, quiet. Well, I guess he needs to have fun on Saturday, you know, for special occasion but we'll leave it at that <laughs> but all right that that was a good pod uh we'll take a break and then we'll come back with our baseball segment so logan matt thank you for coming on it's been a pleasure we hope to see you both back on the show for future episodes but thanks again for coming on and we'll see you guys later All right, so let's round out this pod with our usual baseball segment. So because Greg is not here, we don't have to talk about the Dodgers this week. We'll just give a quick brief rundown of the Yankees this past week. So they had a home series against the A's, home series against the Rays, playing the worst team in baseball, and then you transition to them playing the best team in baseball. So they sweep the Oakland A's, kind of what, I expected you got to beat up on the bad teams. Aaron Judge returned that series a little bit slow, but uh, he got the bat going later in the series. The offense kind of got like a little practice round or a little confidence boost going into the series with Tampa. Nice to see the bats waking up. Bader stayed hot. Volpe was able to get a grand slam. 
he was slumping going into the series. I think he was like two for 26 in his last 26 at bats going into that grand slam. So good to see him get going. The Yankees, you know, did what they had to do against a bad team. And, you know, you go into the series with Tampa as the best team in baseball. They've been a juggernaut this year. And, you know, we end up getting a split, but could have been more. To be honest, we were close. Game one kind of got away with us at the end. Domingo Herman gave us a great effort, but the bullpen kind of unraveled. The game ended up being just an ugly loss, but Herman pitched well, which was a con- a good sign to see. So we lose the game one, game two. We get a nice come from behind victory. We were down 6 nothing, end up coming back to win. So kind of you know, giving it back to Tampa after they beat us in the trap when we were up 6 nothing, So kind of the, the tables turned there. But yeah, Aaron Judge had two home runs. Oh no, excuse me. Aaron Judge had two home runs in game three. My apologies. But Anthony Rizzo on his bobblehead night in game two hits the go-ahead home run. So I don't know. Maybe it's the power of the bobbleheads. Yankees should just have bobblehead, bobblehead night every night for a position player, and then they're just going to ball out. So maybe something to consider. Brian Cashman, guys like that. I don't know. Maybe that's just the the, the thing that gets us going, wakes up the bats. But the Yankees win game two, game three. Aaron Judge has two home runs. We slug our way to a victory. And then game four, uh, we lose by one. Aaron Judge nearly hits a home run to a uh, nearly tie it in the ninth. The Rays thought they ended up blowing the game, but Judge hits it to the track. Yankees lose. But, you know, just to kind of wrap up that series, it was it was an interesting one because, you know, you're playing the Rays, and obviously they're ahead of you. You want to catch up. But we also have to be realistic here. And getting a split was probably the minimum that I was looking for and all Yankee fans should have been expecting against a really good team. But the concerns, Nestor, something about Nestor, it's not, doesn't feel right this year. He's been pretty off the past few starts for him. Hasn't been able to, to finish games. He starts strong, you know, through four innings. I think he has a sub two ERA, but you know, after the fifth, it's, it's double digits, which is totally un-Nestor-like in the past two and a half years. So I don't know what what's the, the issue here with Nestor. From what I look at it is it's location. Got to hit your spots. I think Nestor is leaving out too many pitches over the middle of the plate. And you know, to a guy like Yandy Diaz, who's probably going to be an all-star this year with the way he's playing, can't be doing that. These these MLB hitters are too good. So you gotta live on the corners. And you know, I want to see Nestor kind of go back to the way that he was pitching before. Because he was kind of breaking into his own when he was kind of giving us all these funky deliveries, throwing off guys timing. But in the starts that I, I've watched, I haven't seen that too much. So I don't know if guys are just kind of, you know, timing his motion, just really locking in on the fastball on the cutter. So changing the delivery, getting back to the old Nestor and trusting his his fastball. 
I think that's just what it's got to be. Nestor, he's an all-star for a reason last year. So I'm not going to panic, but it is something that the Yankees need to address fast because we need we need all the help we can get at this point. Uh, you know, Clark Schmidt pitched the fourth game. He's just a train wreck at this point. I mean, four, four and two-thirds innings, seven runs. Hard to to dig out of a deficit when your starters are consistently giving you bad outings. And it was tough. It was tough. I don't think Clark should be in the rotation with our guys fully healthy. With that being said, um, you know, Sevy should be back next week if everything goes to plan in AAA. Rodon probably still a month out. So you get those two guys. You got Cole. You got Nestor. Herman right now looks like starter number five. And if he can keep keep his pitching ways up that he's, you know, doing right now, I, I like it. I'm all for that. And I think the Yankees on paper, I said this in the offseason, they have the best on paper rotation in the majors when they're healthy. And I fully stand by that. So if Herman can add to that piece, that's gonna be a huge plus. But you know, we got to figure that starting pitching out because we need depth. But offensively, it was nice, really nice to see the Yankees get back to the ways that we we were accustomed to seeing them, being the Bronx Bombers, mashing home runs. You know, at least we lost, but it wasn't like we lost two nothing. I I like to see a little bit of offense. At least we're losing nine eight because I think the pitching we can fix with some reinforcements and health. But the offense, you know, it's good to see with Judge coming back, Bader coming back. Pieces are starting to fall into place a little bit. So nice to see the offensive explosions. Um, but, you know, with this AL East, we're still, you know, as of Monday, we're still second to the last in the division. But if the season ends today, we would be in the playoffs. And as the Phillies showed us last year, if you get in, Anything can happen. If you have a good rotation, you should be really confident. So Yankees are starting to gain some momentum this week. They're on the road. They're in Toronto. They won the first game of the series today. Jimmy Cordero started kind of a, a changeup by Aaron Boone. Uh, he goes with Cordero as an opener. He's typically kind of a middle inning relief guy, but he goes two innings. And then Brito kind of, you know, he was the starter technically. Uh, but he gets the bulk innings in the middle. Uh, good start for him, honestly. Uh, kind of tapered off at the end with some unlucky defensive miscues by Torres and even himself. But a 7-4 victory at Toronto is, you're going to take that as much as you can. Aaron Judge has two home runs today. He's got what is that, 30 multi-home run games in his career and his second in his last three games, which is insane. He's the captain. He's the heartbeat of the team for the reason. So he carries us to this victory. And, if, you know, if we can get a split, if we can get a split here and then we go to Cincinnati and we take that series, three-game series, I'll, I'll be a little better. I feel a little better about this team. You know, I'm starting to gain some momentum back. I was a little down last week the last two weeks so yeah it's good to see good to see the offense kind of get going a little bit but you know enough with the Yankees right so let, let's let's shift over to 
another league and there has been some some speculations and some rumors out there for uh the OBL season this summer so i'm talking about myself now we're talking we're done with the yankees and you know i i have i have had some interest with some some teams out there including no clue who i've been playing with for the past few years um but you know going through this summer transition um there has been some talk about possibly maybe trying something different this summer and that is true and i will be um announcing that i will be not i will not be returning to no clue for the summer i will be playing summer ball for I don't have the hat right now, so I have this old jersey, which I was supposed to play this year. But I will be playing for second string baseball this summer. So the announcement that you've been waiting for, Jaden, here you go. I'll be playing for second string this summer. One year deal. One year, one year deal. I'll say that. It's a one year deal. I'm not signing no long term deal. One year deal for the summer, but I'm excited, you know, kind of building off this AJA season that we had in the in the winter. But I'm excited. I'm excited to play for second string for the first time in how many years? I believe it's like six, seven years, Jaden. So congratulations. I have officially announced that I will be playing for second string this summer. But that's a little fun, exciting news for you guys. But as usual, we're always going to end this the show with our sports fact of the day and we're recording here on may 15th and let's take it back to 2022 kind of a interesting stat where the pittsburgh pirates won a game one to nothing over the cincinnati reds last year and here's the catch they got no hit <laughs> so i don't think you're ever going to see a situation where a team loses a game and throws a no-hitter but that happened one year ago today but yep that's all we got for this pod we'll catch you back next week and get back into the nba playoffs so thanks guys for listening and have a good week